In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. They're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. And you should say congratulations. Congratulations, Sam. Thank you. For many reasons. <laughs> but I yeah. think right now yeah. you I, mean because you just had a baby. Yes. Yep. Do you remember this? Like birth for a husband is uh, comically exhausting. I say comically because we we have like the least right in the room to be exhausted. We're not doing a whole lot, but my body doesn't know that. My body goes into like hyper vigilant mode because I'm so worried about Susie and about baby and I want everybody to be healthy and uh, like in lieu of not being able to do anything practical, my body says just starts to burn itself. <laughs> we we will be so hypervigilant. You will you will literally pass out once you know everyone's okay, which is what happened to me. Like, yes, baby, I came. do remember that. Everybody was checked up on. Everybody was good. Everybody was healthy. And my body said, "Okay, we've done all we can. Now we're totally exhausted from being freaked out for the last few hours." But you have a baby. Yes, it's it's a, a boy. Oh, okay. There sure. you go. Yep. Hmm. Did you know? <laughs> I, 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 I knew pretty quickly. Yeah. But in that, um, we've touched on parenting before. I mean, like once or twice. But even like way back at the very beginning, like I've got this image of you with your eldest strapped to your chest when it was like, hey, I can bring my daughter to work as like a couple month old baby and still be productive. Oh, how naive, Blaine. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're talking about. And it was the gals had a plan and... At that time, Ailish, uh, my oldest, did not really like to be with me because she was a baby. And yeah. so the only window we had was her nap. And we went, I'll buckle that girl on and walk laps around the top of the outpost for an hour. Mm-hmm. But I wrote an article on my phone while I did that. So it was, a, it was very productive. <laughs> And it was mostly on how you need to exercise more or the ways that you feel uh, incompetent. It was on parenting. It was on parenting. For sure. That makes sense. We've got friends in our world who are young parents as well, folks who are expecting kids. Um, I mean, like the whole gambit of folks who wish they could be parents and are trying and are unable to have that be an easy journey. So like the spectrum is wide. And we've been having a lot of conversations recently on parenting and the image of self and on the places that I've realized that kids have gone after self-arranging that I do. Um, And it just, it felt like really helpful and fresh to take another pass at what we've been learning about how the self 
interacts when it comes to being a father. Woof. So. And parenting is great. I put parenting in the same category as listening to special operations operators on podcasts. Yeah. Which is like, I'm never going to go become a part of special operations. Yeah, that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> and so why, why do I listen to all their podcasts? <laughs> and I go, uh, because they have an angle from which to see and engage human experience that you can gain a lot from, mm-hmm. especially if you read it through the worldview of Jesus, if you pass it through the filter of ultimate reality. So this is for all you non-parents listening, which is a lot of you. Yeah. I mean, and they go, you're going guys. to talk about parenting. I think that you probably already know parenting, like being a firefighter or coming back from uh, a trip around the world gives you uh, some unique perspective. And no matter where you are in your story with parenting, it's it's worth tuning in to the guys who are getting leveled if you're me. <laughs> it's going great for me. So, you know, we'll hear about that. A black belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a way in which we can drop in another scenario um, because it's a scenario where pressure is put on and it feels like I'm flooded with water and then the water is frozen and I get to see where the cracks were or I get to just put all this weight on top of the foundations. And we've used this metaphor before when it came to dating and then marriage and then having a kid. It, It felt like the weight was just exponentially added. I mean, they just added a zero at the end. It wasn't like plus one. It was times 10. And I found myself going, this is really, really, really helpful and really, really, really hard because it's revealing all of the cracks in me. I mean, I wrote back in Killing Lions when Susie and I were first married, first apartment. We've been together for a month and we feel like we're still playing house. Like we're waiting for... I don't know, the community to come in and bust us and be like, hey, you guys are staying in the same place (laughs) and sleeping in the same bed and that's not okay because that's what they'd been saying up until that point. And a month into marriage, I was like, Susie is the mirror from Beauty and the Beast because she's just reflecting back to me myself and she's adding her thoughts to it and I'm unable to escape my brokenness anymore. That's what the mirror in Beauty and the Beast does? You know, it's not like, I mean, Beauty and the Beast shows you anything in the world. Uh, no, that's the hand mirror. And that's what you want to like, you desire more like how the tea kettle and the candlesticks, they all, and the clock, they all talk. And oh speak. yeah. More like that sort of an idea that like, you can imagine. I just thought I mixed up my magic mirrors. Yeah. I was like, there's well, no white one shows. Didn't tell me how beautiful yeah, it was. <laughs> Let's you ask questions. <laughs> I don't know. I asked it, it said, you are for sure not the most fair. People <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to give her this mirror. This is because I just gave myself the slightly larger half of the ice cream sandwich. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yes. The weight being added, mm-hmm. which all the way into where we are right now. This is one of the, I'm curious what the first note you took is. One of the notes that I wrote down was uh, that whole thing of dating is not slightly better singleness. Marriage is not singleness with sex. Kid number one is not marriage with a baby. Kid number two is not a family of three, but slightly different. The 
categorical changes that take place mm-hmm. are so monumental that if you don't know that that's going to happen, you will think that something is wrong. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, I know there's so many men out there who I think of one particular one who they're expecting their first. And the fear around that is super intense. And I remember feeling that as well for a variety of reasons. One, because we lost our first and then like all of the fear of the uncertainty. Two, because at the best scenario, you are entrusted with a human being. Good luck not messing them up. Like Susan and I were immediately greeted with, oh, okay, right. First kid, do we begin the counseling fund now? I am I, I am greeted with all the ways that I thought I was going to be, I don't know, patient beyond five seconds, uh, loving beyond three seconds. Just any time that difficulty presented itself, I was met with the, oh, I thought I was different and better than I am. And I was terrified by that because the stakes felt so high. So I have empathy for the the young man I'm thinking of who is looking into parenthood going, um, I feel pretty unequipped in general. And now you're asking me to handle what is maybe one of the more trying uh, enterprises of my life. Yeah, one of the most significant. That's totally. I remember I didn't know if babies needed to drink water. This was something I had to look Mm. up when we were pregnant as I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do you need? And I had experienced parents around me as I was one who was like, we have to be ready, in the quotes, (laughs) for this kid. And I had... And I think that ready for me meant that I had read enough books to do it right, also in quotes. Sure. And that I had the related gear. It yeah. was like... Which is mostly a bike trailer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> which is surprising. Which is like the kid comes out and I'm like, what do you need? Mm. And experienced parents helping me chill were like, okay, you are right in that you are realizing you are about to undertake something huge. But they don't come out needing a lot that isn't built in. (laughs) Like, uh, and, like, it, you know, it would be good to have diapers, but if they poop on you, this is not the end of the world. Yeah, right. uh, But everything has, like, kind ofs put on it. It's like, they can nurse, but, oh, actually, kind of, sometimes that's really hard for people, and, you know, maybe not. And they can... You know, they'll be able to stay warm in case they're, like, anemic or something else happens and they can't, or jaundice and they can't, and then you have to. So, that, (laughs) the hugeness of the uncertainty. But people did need to tell me that it was one, like, this will happen slowly. Mm -hmm. Double down on your basics of your life as a son, that you have to be a student of this, you have to learn how to do this, Mm -hmm. and that it is going to happen solving a problem at a time and that's kind of how you'll learn how to do this and I like I was the dad who still am the dad who reads the books that most of the dads don't read so I read I think like that, that applies to you in most categories though right yeah but I read I was I read like the La Leche League like the book on breastfeeding yeah and I was like yo if this is how this kid is going to eat, I am going to know how this works, basically. But then, that put me in a really bad position of being ready to make recommendations 
that, you know, I sometimes, like, often, sometimes often, when you don't really, when you don't actually know, mm. uh, recommendations are not as welcome as some uh, compassionate exploratory questions, recommendations. Which is to say that Emily wasn't, like, the most receptive to you being a breastfeeding expert after being reading like, a book. Listen, I don't have boobs, but I think you should hold it this way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's super weird. Can a boob do that? I don't know. I've never had one. Embarrassingly, it took Susan and I like a long time to realize that we should read a single parenting book. And just, just, I don't know, kind of figured we could figure it out. Um, which is where I want to go to. I, I remember with the first. First being greeted by all of those ways where it's like, oh, this is exposing areas in me that feel uh, underdeveloped, ill-equipped. I thought this was, I mean, we were really, really eager. And I know that like I, I, in some ways I, I was transformed forever by the, our miscarriage and I think I'm a different parent because of it. So I knew stepping in, there wasn't any of the oh, I still want to be holding on to life without kids because we were so eager and desperate and afraid, but also took the, the kid for the miracle that they were when our, when our first on this side came along. And, and then fast forward to number two arriving as you were talking about like, you know, when you add a person, it's not as simple as like a plus one. It's not just, oh, no, this is what it's like. Um, I, I've begun nicknaming our second kindly here, but I, I've been calling him the the truffle pig. Which is the same thing you were going to name your first cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. T-Pigs was going to be our cat. So we actually got one and named it something totally different before we gave it away because cats are the worst. But we got uh, a second one and named it also something different. And then? And then? Gave that one away. We, got, <laughs> we had a child and they started attacking it. So there you go. I just called my child an it. All right, moving along. Her. Um, <laughs> I called, I, I've been nicknaming the second, the truffle pig, because with the first, what I realized is that um, you actually, you don't realize it at the time, but you have a lot of time on your hands and you have this retrospective posture, I feel like at most stages when you're single and you become dating, you look back and you're like, wow, what did I do with all that time? Now it feels like there's this energy and focus and finances going this direction, which just totally amplifies when you get married and you're like, oh, sorry, I just fell off the place of the map. I, I don't hang out with my friends. I'm not available anymore. What did I do with all that time back when we were dating? Enter kid number one. You're like, oh, we don't exist anymore. Now looking back at, at the moment where kid number two enters the picture, you look back and going, um, yeah, one kid is actually like not, I mean, depending on the kid, depending on the health issues and all of that. But for the most part, you have a lot of margin. And I found that what I began doing was still trying to secure spaces for me in those margins where I was, I was going to be a dad while the kid is awake and while Susie needs me. But as soon as both of them fall asleep, which happens quite a lot uh, because they're exhausted and you know, you're not sleeping very much and babies are developing at an insane rate. I had time for me. Growing I up. had time for me for YouTube. I had time for me for reading. I had time for me to slip away and go for runs or bike rides with friends. and. I began to feel like I had a right to those. Like I was, I was protecting like a precious resource that was myself. Yes. <laughs> and I've been naming the second child the truffle pig because truffle pigs, for those of you who don't know, are the pigs that just have this 
nose for finding truffle mushrooms in the forest and you have them on a leash and you go off into the woods and these pigs will seek out like a homing missile these truffles and they're really valuable because truffles are valuable and also when you have that metaphor applied in this case it doesn't feel quite as valuable <laughs> because my second was a truffle pig but for finding the me time that I had hidden Yes. He came along and went, I sense that you are trying to still ferret some time and resources to the side as though that's what's going to be, I don't know, your reservoir to draw from. Yes. And I want that reservoir for me, not for you. And I said, wow, you are very articulate for a newborn baby, but also you are very efficient at finding and, and consuming that. He was so articulate. Full sentences right away. He came out and was like, Dad, I'm not going to really like you for like the first three months. I'm here to destroy your self-life. <laughs> and I said, oh my gosh, I have been up too long. <laughs> <laughs> I am hallucinating. I am hallucinating. Uh, but, but you had to be if you were hallucinated while paired. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. When I tell friends that that have one kid, I, I don't think it really encourages them to have a second because they go, oh, you know about me ferreting some life on the side and you're telling me I have a second, they're going to destroy that? Like, that's not a positive way to talk about another human and that sounds horrible. Yeah, that's... It's why you have to go meta in this conversation really quick. Just briefly, huh? Because it's not a... Yeah, this is not a meta dragon episode. <laughs> no, uh... I mean, you have to go big picture, which yeah. is like, I, I identify 100% with the, my second found, the vestiges of the self-life. Uh, but the second also, but it, you know, I will say, somewhere between being single and then being at a point in your life where you have a lot of responsibilities and you've experienced a lot and probably have lost a lot and a lot has happened to you, um... My whole strategy for living has to change, which is the self-life one is goes, do I have enough to handle my day? And so my plan is still, I can do it. And number two takes away all the self-time and makes it impossible for me to handle. And I can say that that process it did happen earlier, but number two began earlier, but increased and changed dramatically with number mm -hmm. two. And you have to, to the parent of one kid or the parent with no kids looking at it going, what's happening? I want to assure them that happens just repeatedly. As we cross new <laughs> thresholds, we're like, oh, wow, things didn't get real until recently. And then just copy-paste that for every year for the rest of your life. It, it totally. It's <laughs> the transition that I'm talking about is it's kind of like when you're going into labor for the first time. And it's never happened. I've never gone into labor. I've never gone into labor. When you and your wife, when your wife is going to go into labor, it's a thing that you're going to do together. Mm. And like me, you're in your birth class. And one of the questions is, how do you know? And the experienced moms go, you know. It's unmistakable. It's like, it's the same as how do you know when the woman is the one? How do you know when you're experiencing God? And it goes, there is a moment when you know. And there are a lot of indicators that can tell you that that's coming, that you can look for. But Em and I thought so many times with our first, 
this must be labor. And we like walked till late in the night thinking we were going to labor until I hit this point where I'm like, even if we are, I'm still going to bed because, (laughs) and then we didn't go to labor for like weeks. (laughs) And I just went, oh my gosh. So the same is, when Susie's water broke for number two, I literally rolled back over and went to sleep for another half an hour because I'm like, I yeah, I know. Baby's coming, but not like this second. (laughs) Because your first labor was three days long. Yeah, that did make me jaded. Uh, which, can I just say, I, it was like, you broke the mile record where I had the record with M for a 36-hour labor. And everyone was like, wow. And then you just came, rolled into town and doubled it. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, uh, dunk. There's a say that there is a moment that when it happens, you know. And one of those moments is when your life goes from being hard to being impossible. Mm. And I wrote down some of the things that I've done since number two, and I'm like, there were a lot of things where it got, people turned up the dial, it got harder. But I really can point to, with my son, my second, after losing, you know, having a late miscarriage and all, like, all of this other stuff going down, where it was like, yeah, but when my son was having some digestive issues and it was four weeks walk with him until about three in the morning, then drop him off with my wife in bed, collapse on the couch until 6.30 when my daughter got up and start the day. And it's having the brutal emotional effect on my wife that Mm -hmm. that level of demand has and that level of my son's pain and him not getting better and my daughter freaking out. And then add that into there's a house to manage and in one week my water heater, fridge, oven, and sink, all broke. And then you can see why parents hallucinate sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you add. And the unique thing about the, the kids is wanting so bad for it to be different mm-hmm. and thinking. I rolled into number two thinking I'm going to apply all the lessons from number one and all the things that parents said, well, have you tried this for sleep? Well, have had you tried this for diet? And things that were hard with number one will go better. Mm-hmm. And then they went so much worse and just like took all control away. Mm-hmm. It was like sometimes that's just, sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes you do not get a kid who can physically do that. Mm-hmm. And yet wanting so desperately for the family life to be good and it being hard. And I was like, and I, there was a moment where I just went, that, like, this is impossible. I've done this. I, like, did the mileage and hundreds of miles of walking in those first months uh, to try to get my son to sleep and trying to stay awake, get off the ground, have something to give my wife and go, I have nothing. This is not possible anymore. That My strategy for living Evidently has to be different, but that's not a glamorous thing. Like I became a monk. It was like, what do I do? This is not working. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sensing that, you, that that was a really good moment for you when it was impossible. Like it felt like you were driving towards that. Uh, maybe I'm just projecting because that certainly is how I feel now about nicknaming I'm never saying it to his face, but I'm saying it to other parents the second the truffle pig because there's there's some part of me that goes, I actually need those areas ferreted out yes, and exposed because what I think 
is life-giving usually isn't. And what I think I need to protect myself usually isn't actually protecting myself and is just more separation from my family, more separation from what I actually need. Now, I also do strongly, strongly, strongly believe in self-care and space and individuality within a family unit. And so Susie and I have had mixed success in that and are fumbling our way towards figuring out what that looks like. But there's a part of me that looks at me with just the one and goes, oh, you're you're half in. And I think I could have been fully in without adding more children. I think I could have been, I, I know it's going to sound crazy to hear, but I think I could have been, I don't know, wiser or more self-aware or uh, just more open to viewing my life, but I wasn't and wanted wanted to figure it away, wanted to, wanted to protect it like these little these pieces. So when you say it got impossible, for me, those are really good moments. Yeah. That's, that's typically when we turn to God because we go, oh, it's actually not working anymore. The more I try to lift, the worse it gets. Just yeah. last night, Susie came in to our bedroom after we put the kids down and she goes, our life is awesome. Like our life is amazing right now. And I sort of looked at her and I was thinking of a very different list that contradicted what she was saying. But she goes on, she's like, we're back in our home. We've been out of our home, for those of you who don't know, for several months. Our kitchen is renovated and it's beautiful. The kids are doing well. They're sleeping in their own rooms and they're doing great. Like, I am so happy right now. And I was able to go like, that's amazing. And also, do you remember internally, didn't want to burst her bubble, but internally I'm thinking just had to tow our car to the auto shop because the the starter died. Um, we've had two different plumbers come by our house because we found out that probably our pee trap has eroded and our shower in the basement is just regurgitating earth up into the area. We found out yesterday that we got to spend around two grand to jackhammer it out and fix it. We're deciding whether or not we ever (laughs) take showers in the basement anymore. And our our oldest is crying on the way to preschool saying she doesn't want to go there. And I'm thinking to myself like, wait, your verdict is that we're doing awesome and everybody's great and our lives are amazing. And it was a helpful moment for me again to go, oh, what I want is a life without pain, inconvenience, and any semblance of feeling like I cannot handle it. And I have yet to find that life because what I seem to encounter at every turn is more pain, more inconvenience, and more examples of how I am incapable of handling my life. And what I love about Susie coming in with that perspective was that all of those things, her perspective is true. All the things she named is true. And we are learning to live more in that place. When people would ask us about our first, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're right. The sleep is hard. The stress is hard. We're hypervigilant about everything that she's doing and all of these developmental miles. We've just had our third and I'm a little bit, when people ask, more like, we're great. He's great. He's healthy. He's nursing. I mean, he screams all night long sometimes, but like, so? He's a like, baby. <laughs> and the morning comes. Like, it's actually not the end of the world. And I, I like 
learning that posture more. I like learning the posture of where am I focused on? I, it's become a nightly prayer for us for the last few years that we would we ask God to father and mother us as we learn to father and mother. So rather than trying and hiding this self, securing self, failing life on the side, we're learning how actually we have to be fully present and all in to the pain, to the inconvenience, to the, the glaring fact that I can't handle it. And in that, I get to invite God in to areas in me that need tending that I can't offer if they're not tended to. Boom, boom, mic drop. But number two, you just sort of exposes, which I identify with, mm -hmm. is whether or not my plan and my metric for happiness is ease and comfort in positive circumstances. Because circumstances matter. Joy is not about circumstances. And I'm like saying this as a person who like barely gets this point because this is real territory for me right now. You're telling yourself in the mirror in the morning. Right? I am. But you, what yeah. Susie said, exactly. Where it's like, and you're going, you love our life? Let me list to you what our life is like. Mm -hmm. And I keep having these uh, juxtaposed experiences, these contrasting experiences where basically the same thing happens. And in one, I feel like I'm abandoned by God. Life sucks and I can't do it. And the other, I kind of feel like it's fine. We're being resourced. And my last night was my son, who is almost one, and who most of his first year I don't think I'll remember, uh, being up until, you know, he was up till a little after midnight. And then he woke up again at three and then was up until I got up with my daughter. And he was up. Like, it's super gastrointestinal d discomfort. So we finally gave in and we're like, uh, let's take a bath. And so we go, we're drying the bath. I get off my son's diaper. At which point he like poops this green, slimy, like green egg yolk looking stuff like all over me, all over the floor. It's everywhere. It's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I can't move because everything I touch is going to spread the poop. How do I contain this problem? <laughs> And Jeez. then they got in the bath and it was everywhere. And Em and I. So you guys burned your house down and got a new exactly. one. Exactly. We just started like laughing. Like it was fine. And I was like, notice this moment blank. Yes. Because I don't like having poop on me. Uh, it's not a That's good. Weird. It's small. It's a small bad thing, but it's a bad thing. And goes, but something else is happening where needing the experience of God and God's effect on us to be the source of our joy works over time, which is what the Anson's ethos is about. And what number two does is you're describing is it goes, it makes circumstances not often not very fun. And where, where people would look at them and go, dude, you just need, you must need a weekend to yourself and a sixer of Negro Modelo, and, and... And that all sounds really good. And be a great thing. But a great thing is different than what you need. <laughs> uh, and go, your circumstances must need to change. Mm. So, and flagging again, circumstances matter. They, sometimes they do need to change, but they are not in themselves the prime mover of joy. And that's a good thing. 
Yep. Oh, it's just something I'm aware of in this space that's been good for me. This is just an aside that I find interesting. Uh, one of the pieces that I've been exposed to recently is uh, the ways that children get their bonding and attachment to their parents. This isn't a con- we're hoping to have a conversation with an expert on this. That's a little bit different. So I'm going somewhere you don't think I'm going to okay. go. Well, I have att- attachment is in my notes too. So oh, there you go. You say. It's something we're thinking about. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I felt as pressure, right? Like a child gets its sense of self from their parents, their worth, their values, their morals. Like on one sense, you sort of go, I know this because I know it anecdotally. But we also know it from a psychological sense, like it, it is true. There's this attachment, this grounding that is created through family and through eye contact and through that, that intimate and relational circle. Now, something that's really hopeful, this conversation can be take out parenting, drop in your season, is that we actually can get attachment that we missed so I'm aware of places where, like, the, back, back to my prayer, I am praying to be mothered and fathered real time as I'm learning to father my children. I was about to say mother and father, but I, fortunately, I only have to do half of that. <laughs> um, because I'm aware of when I'm parenting, there are moments where I am currently 32. There's moments where I'm 32, and then there's moments where I feel like I'm 12, and there's moments where I feel like I'm 8, and then I'm 16, and I'm like, I, I never feel like I have all of the answers, but sometimes I feel like I handle the, the scenario better than others. What's been really interesting is that some Christian psychologists have identified that God as Trinity is meant to be a place of attachment for us and that the father and the brother figure of Jesus and the mother figure of the Holy Spirit, they're actually meant to ground us in very different and secure ways. So this is like a geeky aside. And if you want to go chase that rabbit trail, you can, because there's a lot there. And hopefully we're going to have a conversation with an expert on this fairly soon. But what I find really encouraging about this is that as I identify areas where there's a gap, wherever I hit a place of, oh, I'm turning, I'm, I'm afraid of turning into angry dad. And what is the anger masking? What, where does anger get triggered for me? Oh, it's from a sense of like helplessness or not being seen or not being able to handle it. Oh, that actually is needing some grounding and some attachment and some sense of it's not, it's not up to you. You are seen. And it's just to know that that is meant to be and is possible to be like rewired in my brain and to be attached to God in those ways is really, really encouraging for me and really, really hopeful because I, I, I know now as I have watched the places of the self-securing that I thought was going to meet those, right? Be, well, I'm angry because I haven't had enough time away. That's where I got learned, oh, now that that is gone, that actually isn't what I needed. Now, yeah. do I still need the self and do I still need self-care? Absolutely. But I don't, I've, I've been missing how I'm meant to solve slash meet 
these places of need in myself that I've run into while parenting, while trying to live as a good husband, as a good human being. That's so important. Oh my gosh. Mm. This is the lesson. This is what it shows you. Attachment to God. We'll do a full thing on this, but you become yourself as you become like God through attachment, love, and it restores your soul. And circumstances are very important, but not ultimate. And uh, I got so mad at Richard Foster when he said, he's talking about the spiritual disciplines and what they expose. And he's like, you're not angry because you haven't eaten. You're angry because there's anger in your soul. And it's really interesting. If you look at the neuroscience of hunger to go, that's true. I mean, there are real metabolic things. And here in the U.S., we talk about, I'm just so hangry right now. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're neurologically hangry. You're not like full on body. Like your body's fine, but your mind is angry and it's giving you a real experience of anger. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's, it's so complicated and it's connected, as we've said. And this is a good example because... Like it's Papua New Guinea where there's an indigenous people who their word for hunger is the fear that you've been abandoned. And like, you guys, you need fathering and mothering as you do this. It happens like through connection with God in these moments. And then that actually produces an effect in you. And you, I find myself sometimes uh, like less depressed when the kids have a lot of needs and it all feels like too much. It may, it may surprise you at this point in the conversation. It, may, it might not, but um, I actually have found myself really encouraging the people around me to have more kids or to press into the thing that feels like too much or that it's going to rob people of a thing because the the threat of if we don't is that we actually will succeed in arranging our life to be free from pain and free from discomfort and free from needing to ever rise to an occasion or offer things that we're not sure if we have. And I think of several friends who are trying their hardest to create that life and it it does feel small it it feels godless it it feels like they are the epicenter of the story and there's some part of me that looks at it and goes oh my gosh that is really worrying now the it's not just that i think everybody should become a parent what I'm saying is I think that if everybody should be stepping into arenas where they feel like they may have been avoiding out of fear or out of not having enough because that is actually we're meant to meet God there. You're meant to understand that you don't. You're meant to grow in those places. So for the the single men that are listening going, wow, I really would love to be a father or for the the husbands I know where being a parent just isn't in the cards, there are other arenas where you are being invited to walk into some places where you don't know if you can handle it. You don't know if there's going to be enough. There, there's going to have to be some dying of a past way of living. And I would 
I would encourage those to exist. I would encourage you to move towards those things. Um, not that that has to become the entirety of your life. Like we, I'm not trying to say, what you need to do is a lot of suffering and to always say yes to those things. No, you need to know what season you're meant to walk into next. And there are seasons of rest. There are seasons of saying no to things. There are seasons of quiet. And there are seasons where I think we say yes to the thing that feels impossible. Thank you.